0: The Community Service Society, fighting poverty, strengthening New York.
1: I was working, I'm teaching, and I'm I'm, I'm working part-time. I'm an adjunct professor, so it's not a full-time job. But it was more money. I made, I think, um, $200 over the limit. Um, for Medicaid, so I was my case was discontinued. I was no longer eligible for Medicaid. I was no longer eligible for um, food stamps or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program (SNAP) now, um, and I was in big trouble. I I couldn't buy insurance. I knew I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't even, you know, when I I met Michelle, I couldn't even pay my rent. I was three months behind in my rent. Medicaid cutting me off meant that, you know, um, should something happen to me, you know, they're just going to, you know, I'll have to die. I I don't mean to sound so, you know, extreme, but I didn't know that, that there was another option for me.
2: What happens when you make too much to qualify for help? but not enough to get by. My name is Diane, I live in Harlem. Diane found herself in an impossible situation. She made too much money to get free health insurance through Medicaid, but just barely, and nowhere near enough to pay for private insurance, even with the Affordable Care Act discounts. And she was not alone.
3: People said, look, we i really like to get um, you know, people call it Obamacare. People would say, I really like to get marketplace coverage. But when I looked at it and figured out the numbers, I just couldn't make it work on my budget. So, you know, if someone's making seventeen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 a year, you know, even though it's only 100 bucks a month for coverage maybe for them or $70 a month, it's still too much.
2: Too much to be able to pay the rent and the bills. Diane thought she was stuck. Welcome to the Fighting Poverty Strengthening New York podcast from the Community Service Society. This episode is all about how CSS, as part of a group of researchers and advocates, helped to fill a gap in affordable health coverage in New York State. But before we learn how and why this issue was addressed, it's important to understand how someone could find themselves in a situation like Diane's, where she just didn't know what to do
1: next. I was a news, a television news and documentary producer. I worked for public television, and I worked for NBC Network News. And her life was
2: going just about how she thought it should be. But then her father, who lived in Detroit, became seriously ill.
1: Right. My father was diagnosed with three different forms of cancer in early 2000s. He didn't want to move to New York,
2: and Diane didn't want to leave. So she cut her work down to part-time and commuted back and forth to help take care of her father. The doctors had only given him months to live, but those months turned into years. She had to deal with...
1: A lot of bills. He was not budgeted, okay, to live that long. My father never made more than $25,000 a year in his lifetime. Long story short, I had to use my finances to take care of him as it got more and more costly. Um, not only the back-and-forth commuting, but, you know, for as long as I could, I kept him in his house. Um, Then I had my bills here, and then he had to go into assisted living. But Diane had a plan. Her father
2: owned his Detroit home, and though she wasn't working as much as before and had used much of her own savings, she thought that she could get some of that money back by selling her dad's house after he passed away. Then the recession hit. And Diane found herself trying to sell a house in Detroit, a city devastated by the economic collapse.
1: You know, I found myself underemployed and broke. So Diane went without
2: health insurance for a time. It wasn't easy. Diane struggles with depression and was worried about her family's history of glaucoma. Then her fingers got frostbitten. And although she was used to trying to fix everything herself, this time she went to the emergency room.
1: I had to go because um, my finger was like this. And you know on the, the commercials, or, or on, I'm sorry, the cartoons, when you're, you, you see a throbbing, that's how my, what my finger was doing. It was throbbing. It, the pain was excruciating. So I went to emergency, and of course, you know, with your medical insurance, I don't have any. And so they signed me up at the hospital, um, is how I got onto Medicaid.
2: Diane's income at the time qualified her for free care under the Medicaid program. After the Affordable Care Act was passed and Medicaid was expanded, Diane says she really started to get the help she needed, including seeing a psychotherapist that helped her with her depression and receiving medication to help prevent the advance of glaucoma. It was a real turning point for Diane. Getting her health under control enabled her to focus on finding work, and she eventually found a position teaching business communications as an adjunct faculty member at a local college. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was a step in the right direction. And she kept pushing.
1: You know, I hustle, you know, because working as an adjunct isn't enough money. So I do other jobs like I exhibit jewelry or other things so that, you know, I can afford to make ends meet. And so now we're back where we
2: started at the beginning of this episode. Dan was teaching one class a semester and picking up side work when she could get it. But in the last year, she had worked just enough to no longer qualify for the free
1: health insurance of Medicaid.
2: She was over the limit by just a couple hundred dollars.
1: So it was like, well, if I, if I stop this, my part-time job, well, not my part-time job, but my hustle, um, then you know maybe the $200 and I'd be able to keep the Medicaid. And yeah, I I actually gave consideration to that. But then it was like, but that $200 pays my phone bill. So what am I going to do? Am I going to give up a job to keep my medical benefits, okay? Or am I going to keep a job, okay, so that I can pay my bills? But that was definitely the conflict that I was facing.
2: So she called the Community Service Society's Community Health Advocates Hotline. Our Community Health Advocate program helps New Yorkers navigate the health insurance system, providing free help to anyone who needs it. Diane told her story to a Helpline volunteer and then was connected to... I'm
0: Michelle, and I'm a health counselor at Community Service Society.
2: In addition to our Community Health Advocates program that helps people use and understand their insurance, CSS also has programs, like the one Michelle is a counselor for, that helps people enroll in new insurance. Michelle took over Diane's case.
0: Um, She was feeling anxiety about the prospect of possibly losing her
1: insurance, and she had had Medicaid for a number of years. I was the knots in my stomach. It was a really anxiety filled time.
2: Diane thought that her only choice was to go without health insurance again, but that would mean not being able to afford her prescriptions or see her therapist. She feared it would cause her to slide back down to a place that she'd struggled hard to get out of. But Michelle had a surprise, the essential plan.
0: She's extremely close to exactly the income limit between being eligible for Medicaid and being eligible for the essential plan, which is New York State's version of an Affordable Care Act provision called the Basic Health Plan.
2: The essential plan is a new option for health insurance in New York State, only a little over a year old, that is coming to the rescue of people who find themselves stuck making too much for Medicaid, but too little for anything else. Here's CSS Vice President for Health Initiatives, Elizabeth Benjamin.
3: So the essential plan offers really affordable health coverage um, for either $0 premium if you're pretty poor or $20 a month if you have some means, like up to $24,000 a year as a single person, with no deductible and very, very low co-pays. So it's super affordable coverage for people that are fairly low income. We're talking about working poor people or full-on poor people.
2: It helps to fill the gap. For Diane, the essential plan was a lifesaver. It allowed her to keep working, keep pushing to improve both her financial situation and her health.
1: And it was like, oh, my God, you know, I, I can do this, um, you know, because you, you do have to make a copay for the eye and the dental visits. But that's that's a f- I can do that. You know, thirty dollars a month. It's not like it was free when it was Medicaid, but I can do thirty dollars a month. Um, And most importantly, I can have health care.
2: New York is now one of only two states that provides this type of plan to its residents. And the Community Service Society was a key player in its adoption. To learn how this all came about, we have to go back to 2001, when CSS's Elizabeth Benjamin was working at the Legal Aid Society and brought a lawsuit against New York State.
3: Well, that case... Ended up costing the state quite a bit of money because the federal government had decided that they were no longer going to provide funding to their share of the funding to states to provide Medicaid for legal certain groups of legal immigrants. And at Legal Aid, we sued along with our partners at Empire Justice Center and basically worked our way all the way up to New York's highest court and won unanimously. Uh, the right for these immigrants to get Medicaid, even if the state had to pay 100% of the price tag.
2: And the state did, providing needed health coverage to this population. Elizabeth came to work at CSS, and in 2010, the Affordable Care Act was passed into law. In studying the various parts of the Affordable Care Act, Elizabeth and her team noticed something called the Basic Health Plan. In the flurry of action during the implementation of the ACA, this optional provision had been almost entirely overlooked. The more Elizabeth researched it, the more it looked like it could really benefit New York.
3: It's sort of was a win-win for consumers because the Basic Health Plan offers quality affordable coverage to people up to 200 percent of poverty which is around $24,000 a year for an individual and we figured out that this was a win for the state because we could recruit some of the federal financing to pay for legal immigrants but it was also a big win for consumers because we would be able to offer um, high quality affordable coverage for a mayor you know $20 a month, and is what it turned out to be, the premium that the state set. But we knew, we weren't sure exactly what the premium would be, but we knew it could be a heck of a lot cheaper than what people were being asked to pay in the marketplace, which would have been, you know, well over $100 a month.
2: So, basically, this basic health plan, or as New York would later name it, the essential plan, would not only provide free or cheap health coverage to many low-income New Yorkers who made too much to be covered under Medicaid... It would also drastically cut how much the state had to pay to cover Medicaid costs for this group of legal immigrants that Elizabeth and the Legal Aid Society had won coverage for in their earlier lawsuit.
3: Well, for us, it was kind of a eureka moment because we kept doing the math and the math kept being crazy numbers, like the state would save a billion dollars a year and We kept thinking, well, maybe we should make our assumptions even more conservative. And we kept tweaking the assumptions and tweaking the assumptions. But it really turned out it looked like it was going to be about a billion dollars a year in savings.
2: So after months of research, analysis and even focus groups throughout the state, Elizabeth and her CSS team and allies wrote up their findings and took them to the state
0: legislature. It's really entirely thanks to the Community Service Society, and Elizabeth Benjamin in particular. That's New York Assemblyman Richard Gottfried. That all of this got researched and documented, and CSS was just relentless in educating me and other legislators and uh, uh, the health department and the governor, uh, that this was real. And it took a lot of work to get people to say, oh my God, this is real. And once people recognize that, instead of this expansion of coverage being uh, almost hard to believe it would happen, it became virtually inevitable. Uh, and if anybody ever doubts whether good solid research and information uh, from an organization that you know does not come to Albany with suitcases full of campaign cash uh, can turn things around, you know, I think this is a classic case of uh, good things really can't happen.
3: It's really was just a great opportunity for our state. And, you know, I'd like to say, oh, it's all because of CSS, but it's not all because of CSS. It took amazing member partners in the executive and Governor Cuomo's administration who worked so hard to pull this thing off. It took, um, you know, amazing folks in the legislature, like Assemblymember Gottfried. It took people, you know, in the Senate to vote for it too. And I think it was a good example of when you... together a policy position you take it to the state the state goes to their own external experts who validate it and then everybody you know all the stakeholders look at it the hospital association the health plan association We all look at it and think, wow, this is a win-win for New York. There's no good reason not for New York to do it. And that is, that's just one of those really special moments. You don't get those very often in health policy, where there's a perfect storm in favor of something that can help patients, help the state, help the carriers, help the hospitals. I mean, everybody did well by this particular policy proposal.
2: In the little over a year since the plan's implementation, it's helped hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers.
3: To date, over 650,000 New Yorkers have signed up for the essential plan, and that's really exciting.
2: Including
1: Diane. So far, so good. Um, The essential plan is there.
2: CSS has a long history
0: of working to provide access to quality health care for low-income New Yorkers. Going way back uh, 174 years, the uh, issue of health care and health care, particularly for the working poor, has been critical. CSS President and CEO David Jones. We recognize that if you're going to really help people uh, who are lifting themselves out of poverty to work, that to suddenly strip them of health coverage is insane. So the whole idea of in New York State and hopefully in the rest of the country is that through hard work, you know, you work one two jobs, everyone's trying really hard. That once you price yourself out of uh, you know getting Medicaid, you shouldn't lose all access to coverage. And thanks to the work of the Community Service Society, its
2: partners and the state government, that doesn't have to happen as long as we have the essential plan in place. That's it for this month's podcast. You can find more podcasts from us at cssny.org podcast. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you do, please rate us and comment as that will help others to find the show. Also, please let us know what you think of this episode. Write us at info at cssny.org or tweet us at cssnyorg. Thanks for listening.